When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week we are recapping Season 2, Episode 17, titled Dead Uncles and Vegetables. In this episode, Lorelai and Rory help out at the diner while Luke makes funeral arrangements. Emily goes overboard, helping to plan a wedding. It's quite an episode title. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit alarming. Yeah. <laughs> I loved this episode. It felt like very just town day by day kind of stuff. It wasn't like a huge dramatic episode or anything. So it was fun. Mm-hmm. Right. It felt like, like you said, town shenanigans mm-hmm. to the extreme. The energy of the episode was a little like, <laughs> it's that Sars Hollow almost manic energy Mm -hmm. in a sense, like larger than life, yet it is all about just their ordinary lives, you know, like vegetable stands, relatives passing away, all of that kind of thing is covered in this episode. Mm -hmm. Just made like quirky and I don't know, just more fun. Poor Luke though, this is a hard episode for Luke. Right. I think you have pointed out before about the pairing of the really resonant emotional storylines with the lighter light-hearted stars hollow antics and so it was like what was the metaphor we said like sprinkles on a cupcake or (laughs) something like that we were trying to figure that out once before so it's like luke's storyline is really you know something deeper in the midst of all of the rest of this Mm -hmm. stuff going on (laughs) yeah something relatable to many people but also like an existential crisis type of thing (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into all of that. <laughs> yeah. Should we do our talking fast attempt? Yeah, let me pull up my timer. It's already slipping from my mind. Yeah, how can Lorelai memorize all of that fun diner lingo yeah. that she invents, yet I can barely remember an episode I watched the day before? <laughs> okay, are you ready to get us started? Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one go okay so one of the big tensions for this episode is that emily is spending time at the inn she comes for a dar test tasting and then she finds out that suki is getting married and she a little light goes off in her eyes and she wants to help plan suki's wedding meanwhile luke's uncle has died and he's attempting to plan the funeral but nobody in town liked him and none of the relatives are coming so lorelei helps him out and In the end, the town comes together for Luke. (laughs) Uh, That was good. Very rushed over a lot of the middle things. This episode (laughs) is all middle things. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to do a talking fast, I think. Yeah. I feel like that was one of my better talking fasts. No, I do. I think it was good, actually. Maybe a personal best. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Progressing. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? (laughs) Mm hmm. Sure. Okay. Ready? 
Emily's spending some time at the inn and Sookie is susceptible to her influence about all this wedding industry stuff. Jackson has to go talk to Lorelai about that because they don't have that in the budget. So Sookie finally comes around to, you know, their regular wedding plan and Lorelai confronts Emily about Emily wanting to plan her wedding, not Sookie's. And Emily says Luke is her soulmate, basically, because this whole episode, Lorelai has been helping Luke through this whole uncle dying thing and the lack of support from the town, but they support in the end at a wake for Luke, but not Luke. Ah. <laughs> that was pretty good. I think you got into more of the emotional stuff than I did. Well, we have plenty of time to unpack even more of the emotions yeah. and silliness of the episode now as we slow down. <laughs> I think... It kind of is an indicator from the cold open that this is going to be an episode that's like not heavy on the drama because the yes. cold open was kind of a throwaway, just fun scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very like a wacky kind of vibe mm-hmm. to the cold open. Yeah, <laughs> we first off hear their answering machine, which is just like Lorelai saying hello and then something about jamming her thumb and that's it (laughs) and it's emily calling to remind or well first she says she's not going to talk to an answering machine but then she calls back to remind lorelei about coming to the inn and then she calls back again to talk about how annoying the (laughs) answering machine is and the whole time lorelei is standing there refusing to answer the phone and just like talking back to emily it was pretty funny (laughs) i agree and it's played off as like Emily's distaste for Lorelai's antics like how inappropriate for you to have such a silly voice voicemail recording but part of it makes like Emily leaving all of those voicemails to rant about her thoughts gave me big Lorelai energy though (laughs) I could easily see Lorelai leaving so many messages for like Luke or Rory on their cell phones and it being about like a very personal kind of rant she's on. So I'm like, like mother, like daughter, I kind of feel. Yeah. It reminded me of when you're like texting with a friend and they send a sentence and then two seconds later they think of another sentence and you just get like six or seven text messages before you even have a chance to respond to the first one. And I felt Mm -hmm. like this was a very similar mode of communication. (laughs) Absolutely. And it moves us forward to the Independence Inn the next day. As Emily mentioned on one of her voicemails, she'll be there for the DAR meeting. And before that, she is in there to taste test a lot of different soups. Because apparently in the DAR, you can be ostracized for like pate that is not prepared correctly. So Emily is very dedicated to making sure the soup meets her standards. (laughs) Yeah, she tastes like six or seven different soups and lands on a mushroom soup, which I feel like is a good choice. I like mushroom soup. Mm -hmm. It's pretty... Most people like mushrooms, though one of my brothers hates mushrooms, but (laughs) most people do. (laughs) But also during this scene, Lorelai is again annoyed because she doesn't want to have to stand there while her mom takes three bites of every soup and we also get a little slip from Suki she says she's introducing the mushroom soup to Emily and says that it's her Jackson's favorite soup or her Jackson's mushrooms I don't remember but she mentions Jackson Mm -hmm. (laughs) which kind of leads them into a wedding conversation and that sparks a whole 
storyline for the episode emily getting involved with a wedding can't be good (laughs) yeah (laughs) throughout this whole scene i was thinking about lorelei's annoyance about emily tasting the soup it really felt like a continuation of the previous episode and all of their spa Mm -hmm. day drama and how it seems like stealing the bathrobes maybe was not exactly the big step forward (laughs) for their relationship because here you see Lorelai is just as peeved at Emily as ever. Yeah, it's juxtaposed to Sookie's kind of confiding in Emily about her fiancé and the wedding and if you should use a CD or not or a string orchestra and it's just like the Little does Suki know here this is going to be the beginning of the downward fall (laughs) into Emily land, as Lorelai calls it, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really interesting look into what we talked about a lot in the first season, like the class discrepancies and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And especially with weddings that can be so expensive if you have the money or they can be super cheap if you want them to be. Yeah. And Emily is like entirely clueless Mm -hmm. to the material reality of all of her suggestions to Suki (laughs) when it comes to the wedding as we will see when the episode unfolds (laughs) while they're talking about wedding stuff though Luke has called Lorelai and he's kind of cryptically asking for her to reserve nine hotel rooms for him which she does and he says that it's for a funeral his uncle has died And that's kind of all the information we get at this point, but you can kind of tell because he's being cryptic about it that there's going to be more to come. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not going to be as simple as just the family coming in for a weekend for the funeral. Mm -hmm. I had a question for you and your hotel experience. When Luke places this phone call, he's requesting nine rooms for Mm -hmm. Wednesday and Thursday. So I'm assuming it's like Monday because... He's implying like it's that week. And that just seems like super short notice to me. Mm -hmm. And for an inn the size of the Independence Inn, do you think that is unrealistic that she was able to book him nine rooms? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Unless (laughs) it was their down season, which it didn't seem like there was. It was because there were plenty of people there. Like I I worked at a hotel that had like a hundred and about a hundred rooms or so. And even then, unless it was our completely dead season, there was no way we could have reserved nine. Like, there's no way you could have nine empty rooms two days ahead mm-hmm. unless you're a hotel nobody wants to stay at <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, unless it is the dead season. But yeah, okay. it was kind of ridiculous. I mean, maybe she like shuffled people around, but you can't really do that much with people's reservations <laughs> without, mm-hmm. you know making huge catastrophes for people so (laughs) that's good to know now that makes me think yeah my headcanon is that Lorelai is so dedicated to Luke and helping him that she Mm -hmm. just like (laughs) canceled a bunch of people's reservations and was like sorry (laughs) (laughs) or like moved people up to the suites or something or if you overbook a hotel which does happen sometimes and it's usually because of somebody who's a loyalty member something extends their stay or it's because of like a travel agency like Expedia or something but if you overbook a hotel then you usually send a person to a different hotel so she could have easily done that but there's no way you'd want to purposefully overbook your hotel 
because that's just dangerous mm-hmm. and it's stressful like michelle would have been so pissed off <laughs> yeah and he already referred to luke as the flannel man with protruding <laughs> ankles so <laughs> oh i don't gosh. think he would be particularly pleased if that chaos was caused in relation to something luke did you yeah. know <laughs> but we see that lorelei meets up with Rory later that day and they head over to Luke's where Lorelai is going to like check in on Luke after this conversation, I guess. Or maybe they're just there to eat like usual. (laughs) But they pass through the town square and the town troubadour Mm -hmm. is back and singing Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, which was almost my Stars Hollow moment, but I pick something else later. Yeah, it was, we haven't, We haven't seen him for a while. It's always nice to have our troubadour back. And I like Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, but I also wondered if it had like a darker thematic relevance because usually his songs do. So I'm like, is it Wake Me Up Before You Go? Like referring to like death. (laughs) Death. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought as well. (laughs) But such a cheery, upbeat song. (laughs) Yeah. The troubadour. (laughs) But once they get to the diner, they see it's, like, mayhem in there. Somehow, all of the construction stuff is mostly out from last week, except for upstairs. But Luke is attempting to, like, serve tables and also talk on the phone with his cord phone. He almost decapitates someone (laughs) with the cord. (laughs) Which, for our younger listeners, used to be a normal thing (laughs) to have in your home. I think we all, I mean, the house I grew up in, we had like a phone with a cord maybe almost that long and it was a tripping hazard for everybody at all times. (laughs) But Lorelai and Rory just kind of step right in and start helping him hand out food and uh, send him off to just do his phone stuff. Rory notices that Jess isn't there and so she goes upstairs and pulls him down to help Um (laughs) where he was just, like, watching some TV show or something. So it's just another small scene of their interesting chemistry (laughs) where they're, like, Mm -hmm. able to kind of rib on each other, and Mm -hmm. it ends up being good, I guess. Yeah. Like, Rory and Jess have this running bit throughout the whole episode of these small scenes where she is sort of taking on... The role of like his moral conscious or something and trying to get him involved in Luke's and the town and she's kind of like bossing him around in this authoritative way and it's pretty humorous and it's like the C plot of the episode because I think <laughs> Sookie and the Wedding is the B plot and then Luke and Lorelai is the A plot but the way they interact is different than they have in the past. Rory's like it's I, it's just so silly I, yeah. but I like it and she like I don't know. She the joke is that in this scene she pushes him down the stairs and just like physically tumbles into the diner as if she actually did push him. And I it's I don't know, it's funny. And I think Alexis Bladell's like is playing this kind of um not like deadpan almost. Like mm-hmm. Roy's very serious about all of this. And then it's played for comedic effect and I just enjoy it. <laughs> She is playing it deadpan, but you can kind of see, like, behind the layer of seriousness that there's, like, a fun or, like, flirtiness to it almost. Yeah. 
And it's like if she wants to interact with Jess or she doesn't want to face what she is to him or what he is to her and these little scenes, she can just take on this like almost external sort of, oh, I need to be the person to like uh, motivate him to be take a responsibility or something Mm -hmm. like she's taking a like taking on something that's not really relevant to their relationship or having conversations about anything from the previous episode when they talked. It's more like it's not deep like their stuff in this episode, but it is flirty and fun and Dean is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, Jess would not have responded the same way if Lorelai came up to get him or even Mm -hmm. probably if Luke did. Maybe he'd be fine with Luke, but so... Some of the little tidbits we get about that we find out about Luke's uncle here is that he is living in Florida, so they're shipping his body, which it just reminds me of the movie Little Miss Sunshine. I don't know if you ever saw that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when the grandpa dies and they can't pay to have his body shipped, so they just steal the body and then drive to California. That's a great movie. But anyways, <laughs> that's what this reminded me of. So we kind of find out that the funeral stuff isn't going to be straightforward. And also, this Uncle Louie is kind of causing problems for Luke from the grave. <laughs> yeah, and that Luke is very much dedicated to organizing the funeral, mm-hmm. inspired a lot by his dad's wishes for Louie's funeral as well. Um, so Luke is stressed about that. So he seems to be keeping his calm for now. (laughs) And he leaves to go run an errand to like pick out the casket, which is when, as you mentioned, Lorelai kind of takes over the diner for him, which I thought on the whole was really sweet Mm -hmm. and like super sweet. Like we see Luke be there for Lorelai quite often. And it was nice to see Lorelai returning that favor a lot in this episode. I did wonder like, I could, if my friend had a diner I and they needed me, I'd love to, like, run it for them. But I wouldn't know the first thing. <laughs> so maybe Lorelai, like, running it in, she had some knowledge here. But I did think it was slightly unrealistic that it went so smoothly <laughs> that she was able to just run Luke's. Her and Rory, like, this whole episode, I kept wondering, when do they do their own work or go to school? Like, they were just at Luke so much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We didn't get any Chilton scenes or anything. But yeah, I feel like Lorelai's training in hospitality definitely helped her. You're right. It would be unrealistic to completely take things over seamlessly. And if Caesar's in the back cooking, how is he supposed to know all these little lingo things that Lorelai's coming up with? Mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to have that kind of fantasy effect of Stars Hollow. Mm -hmm. You know, that Lorelai and Rory could just take over Luke's for a week and it would run well and all of that. Yeah, the (laughs) interconnectedness of everything. After this scene, we get a small little scene at Ducey's Market, which we don't usually get there unless we're having like a scene with Dean or something. But this time it's just about Taylor. One of the townspeople comes up asking for Brussels sprouts. He says that his supplier has run out. And she says, oh, it's no problem. I'll just go over to the market across the street. And (laughs) so poor Taylor finds out that the guy who had tried to be Troubadour in season one and then was Mm -hmm. beat out by the original Troubadour, he's opened up 
a kind of farmer's market type thing in the town square and it is bustling over there you see like (laughs) shots of miss patty like devouring fruit and stuff and brussels sprouts and taylor feels yeah like everybody has betrayed him in town poor guy yeah taylor is quite disturbed by this farmer's (laughs) market and he is very intimidated by the kind of hippie Mm -hmm. troubadour wannabe who goes unnamed throughout this whole episode but the I guess the former troubadour, or however we'll refer to him, he says to Taylor that he followed the rules and went through the proper Mm -hmm. channels. And this will come up later when Taylor wants to kind of investigate this competitive business. I love a Taylor plot. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the D plot of this episode. I don't usually, (laughs) you know, categorize all of the plots, but it's interesting that it is like the... Probably the fourth of in terms of importance, mm-hmm. but it was entertaining, I agree. And uncommon, too. That's Taylor-centric. I think, meanwhile, uh, we check in with Sookie and Emily. Lorelai is at work, so maybe this is the next day? I don't know. I attempted to delineate days, and I was very confused, as usual. <laughs> yeah, well, this this episode, I would say, occurs within the span of a week And I do think this would be the next day because we see Lorelai at the inn in work Mm -hmm. clothes. She's not at Luke's yet. (laughs) And Emily arrives. And at first, Lorelai is characteristically annoyed by this, thinking Emily is there to bother her. But no, Emily is there to talk to Sookie. And they have like a showing of all these plated, decorated tables Mm -hmm. of like wedding settings. And Lorelai is very skeptical about this whole ordeal, seeing that Suki has been influenced by Emily. And Lorelai is worrying about how everything is so fancy and expensive. But Suki at this point is quite excited and not, you know, she's just enthusiastic about everything. Yeah. This scene, since there weren't very many pop culture references in this episode, I guess I'm just going to add my own because this scene reminded me of a scene from the Princess Diaries 2 when Mia has there's like a a wedding place setting sample out and that's the scene where Queen is it Queen Clarice and mm-hmm. Joe also dance and have their first big romantic moment she just reminded me of that it's a great movie <laughs> was that your Rory's bookshelf no <laughs> I did find a real one later, but I just like so many of the scenes in this episode reminded me of other things. So that's going to be my main function this episode, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) The next scene is back at Luke's where we see Lorelai running Luke's, which was my first clue that I'm like the time and the practicality of this episode is a bit thrown out the window and just to make possible, I think the storylines happen because Lorelai's like running Luke's when she had just been at the inn (laughs) Um, and it continues to pick up on this small Taylor-centric plot where Taylor is just muttering to himself and looking out the window spying on Babette and Miss Patty at the farmer's market (laughs) and um, he ends up talking to the 
guy running the farmer's market when he comes in to order coffee he's talking about i can't even leave the market for a minute because it starts to become like a mob scene it's so busy and taylor um calls him van halen hair (laughs) at one point taylor's like thinking of a lot of mean nicknames for this guy throughout the episode um, very much coming from his insecurity and jealousy, I would assume. Yeah, <laughs> that was my Rory's bookshelf moment, the Van Halen mm-hmm. hair, because <laughs> as I said, there weren't very many cult- pop yeah. culture things in this episode. So that just Van Halen, for those who don't know, was like they were one of the 80s like hair metal bands. So, uh, you know, you just mentioned something about Taylor's insecurities and it reminded me of later in a few seasons where he gets a toupee. And I wonder mm. if also one of his big insecurities is that he's balding mm. and this guy has luscious hair because all of his <laughs> nicknames are about hair. That's a good Poor point. Taylor. This is like his pure nemesis. <laughs> yeah. His alter ego. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this guy is very much a foil to mm-hmm. Taylor. If Taylor is like the uptight, controlled, balding store runner the other guy is more of this loose free hippie with a lot of hair (laughs) laissez-faire but he still follows the rules which means that taylor can't just like outright hate him and get him banished (laughs) right though we will see taylor's efforts to do away with him a bit Mm -hmm. later on (laughs) but before that we have Another scene with Lorelai going upstairs to check on Luke. She finds out from him that none of his relatives are coming to the funeral. And I felt really bad for Luke. And, you know, he's putting out all of this effort to organize this. And nobody in his family seems to be exerting the same Mm -hmm. effort. And they don't seem interested and in, I agree with Luke's, like, that in general, you should just respect, you know, the death of a family member, even if you weren't that personally close mm-hmm. with them. It just seems like the proper thing to do. Yeah. If anything, mm-hmm. just as, like, a sign of respect for the family, <laughs> like, even mm-hmm. if you didn't like the person, unless you had a huge estrangement or something, but it sounds yeah. like people just didn't like Louie. And also, as we find out later, like, they could all come and help or come to the funeral just to be on Luke's side and so right. show him support. <laughs> this is also um, when Rory comes up to tell Lorelai that an upset mm-hmm. Jackson is looking for her. And also she asks where Jess is, which is the second time she asked this. And last time when they said, oh, he's probably just upstairs, she said, really, in a very skeptical <laughs> tone. And now when Luke says, oh, he's probably, like, playing basketball, she says, that little punk. <laughs> Which is, again, this, like, attitude coming from Rory that's very comical yeah. and, like, not, like, their normal relationship. It's almost like, yeah, like, she's his, like, monitor or something. Yeah, like his... I don't know, caseworker or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say like a maternal or motherly tone. Yeah. Because that's like adds in a weird sexual problem. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe like teacher or something like that. Because we do see mm-hmm. them doing tutoring stuff soon, I think. Yeah. 
We interrupt this episode not with an ad, but with an announcement of a new important holiday. When one gazes at Stars Hollow, one can easily overlook a vital component of its beauty, and that's the humble yet spunky twinkle light. You can find them everywhere in the town square, on the trees, the gazebo, even the already lit lamp posts themselves. We have one hero to thank for this integral, sparkly part of Stars Hollow's beauty, Harry from Harry's House of Twinkle Lights. Harry has been in the Twinkle Light supplier business for so long that it's unfortunately finally time for him to retire. This Tuesday is a day dedicated to Harry's bright legacy. The holiday has a name that simply trips off the tongue. Harry, the Twinkle Light man from Harry's House of Twinkle Lights Day. On this holiday, we ask that you honor Harry's legacy by turning on any and all lights in your household and reflecting on their shining beauty for at least 10 minutes that evening. But Harry, the Twinkle Light Man from Harry's House of Twinkle Lights Day, is not the only time you should remember Harry's contributions. The next time you buy Twinkle Lights from soulless stores like Amazon or Target, the least you could do is recall Harry and everything he did to make this dark world a bit of a brighter place. (laughs) We go down and find poor Jackson. He looks really upset and he is wants to talk to Lorelai about the plans that Suki has been making. I guess originally Jackson and Suki had planned a small wedding and they had really agreed on it. They knew what they wanted and now Suki's just kind of gone off the deep end and is ordering way more than they could ever afford and also like more than they want and he doesn't feel like it's he doesn't feel like it's their wedding anymore um as as where as this is happening Suki and Emily are out with a measuring tape and the town square measuring the town so that they can fit all of this stuff into it I don't remember exactly what they were measuring it for at that point um some like fountains or something like that but it's just ridiculous, and you pan you pan over and see them doing that, and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Jackson, though. Yeah, and Jackson says they're talking about moving the gazebo, <laughs> like a gazebo with a hundred years of history yeah. and all of this stuff. <laughs> I within I think this is a good place to place my Friday night dinner critique. I did struggle to find where to place a critique in this episode but I thought it would be useful to kind of use the um, extravagant wedding planning that Mm -hmm. gets out of control out of reality as a place to critique the wedding industry (laughs) (laughs) which like so many things has been just subsumed by capitalism and taking like a nice thing of like vowing to someone you love in front of like friends and family about your commitment to each other and maybe it's like legally binding if you believe in the marriage institution and all that stuff um and at the end of the day everyone can have whatever wedding they want but I think a lot of people are more subconsciously inspired by like marketing and just Mm -hmm. you know cultural beliefs and ideas about what a proper wedding should be which is a lot of what Emily is espousing in this episode Um, and all of those ideas about what they should be are just tied up into things you need to buy like 
buy, buy, buy. And weddings cost so much more than they used to now. Like, I think this is relevant. In this episode, Suki gets caught up in a fantasy that she realizes at the end, like, that is kind of silly. I don't need all of that stuff to get married. But like, Today, 20 or so years later, weddings are even more, it's even more, it's like big wedding now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like big pharma or whatever. <laughs> it's like a whole monster of an industry. And I've, I'm at the age where friends of mine do get married and are very overwhelmed by the labor it takes to like plan it, like cognitively, as well as just being able to afford it <laughs> mm-hmm. at all. And line up with their expectations and what other expectations people might have about it. So it's like, it's all just a mess, you know, honestly. And yeah. damn capitalism. <laughs> Why can't people just have nice things without <laughs> feeling like they have to spend so much money? Um, it's silly. So yeah, that was my Friday night dinner critique. I had the same thought. <laughs> I placed it a little bit later. Like oh. when they're... When- Sicky's downloading stuff from Prague <laughs> but yeah. my thought was the same like there wasn't that much else to critique in this episode but I think it is a great uh thing to bring up especially if we're talking about like the class tensions in the episode and in the show in general and like a lot of the it it also makes me think of like influencing culture and I feel like that's mm. made the wedding industry so much bigger because you can see all these like celebrities getting married and all of the work that they put into it or have wedding planners put into it and then it just like raises these expectations for people but it is really like I don't know I have three siblings now who have gotten married and all their weddings were very minimalistic but they were all like really great and meaningful and I'm sure that they all enjoyed their day and then they had money to you know live their lives afterwards like Mm -hmm. either go on honeymoons or like put in a down payment for a house or something or just have money to pay rent (laughs) so it's it yeah it's just ridiculous and don't get me wrong I do love watching say yes to the dress and stuff and all that kind of stuff it's kind of fun but Mm -hmm. It's also fun because it's kind of laughable. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why are, why is this such a big... You're going to wear this for six hours. Why would you spend $20,000 on it? That's as much <laughs> as I make in a year. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Consuming reality TV in general, like viewing it mm-hmm. as, you know, a reflection of our larger societal and cultural values. I feel like that's what makes it so fun because yeah. <laughs> you see so clearly how ridiculous some of these larger values and ideas are when you see someone paying for like a $20,000 dress, like you said. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably what Suki would have ended up in if she stayed with Emily. Yeah. We see their wedding or at least parts of their wedding. Yeah, we see their wedding. And it's very nice. Meanwhile, in the background of this conversation about weddings between 
Jackson and Lorelai, we see Rory again with a bit more physical comedy. She's like literally dragging Jess by his arm and he makes a comment like, watch the shirt. (laughs) But she's like pulling him again into the diner to go back to work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is a funny small moment. Gotta help out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. After this stuff, we go to a town meeting and this kind of this whole town meeting is my Stars Hollow moment for the episode. Mine too. <laughs> I wondered because it is like so, it's so quintessential. They the town meeting starts off with Taylor talking about the Twinkle Light business and Harry's Twinkle Light. Harry the Twinkle Light man is uh, retiring. Then Lorelai and Rory come in late, of course, and they sit with Luke and Jess, and they're kind of exchanging quips throughout the whole thing. And mm-hmm. Rory has something to say about Jess being there you know, being part of the town. She's like, this meeting is for people who care about the town. (laughs) He kind of, like, he has this look on his face after she finishes talking that he's, he knew he was going to get a reaction out of her and also that he was going to be able to see her and that's why he Mm -hmm. was there. (laughs) Yeah, because when, I did notice that Jess was there. Like, just like Mm -hmm. Rory notices he's there. I'm like, oh, that's surprising that he would go to a town function like this. And he's even making quips about the Harry, the Twinkle Light Man stuff. He's like, oh, that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> like, he's, ma- I don't know, he's actively participating in this thing, just like Lorelai and Rory and Luke do. Mm-hmm. So maybe Rory is right, and he is becoming a member of their town in yeah. a way. <laughs> Imagine that, if they'll just accept him. <laughs> <laughs> and then Taylor, first he turns over the gavel to Miss Patty because this is a personal matter. And then he brings mm-hmm. up his... Which we've never seen him do before. Yeah, he's never given up I feel the like gavel. he takes up personal matters with the gavel all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> this time he brings up the grievance against the hirsute hippie and his mm-hmm. farmer's market. He gets the guys... For some reason, I want to call him Gus. I don't know why. He just seems like a Gus to me. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets his permit and starts like trying to nitpick things out of it like it's a cart kiosk cart kiosk permit and the guy's farmer's market is on tables <laughs> he goes off about that um eventually the whole town kind of just taylor is being ridiculous so they just kind of bang the town meeting out of <laughs> out and ignore Taylor with no consensus, no closure for the poor man. It's just like full of silly dialogue. Like what you described was very much the plot of how the <laughs> meeting goes. But like there's so much back and forth with like witty little comments. Like you've got Babette saying he's got sexy squash. And then <laughs> they like repeat endlessly the name of the permit making jokes about how Taylor's repeating like cart and kiosk over and over again and it's hard to describe but it's so the energy of Stars Hollow like it's just so silly and fast paced Mm -hmm. and they're all in on like these inside jokes and making fun of Taylor (laughs) yeah almost every town person whose name we know had a line to say Mm mm-hmm it almost feels like a play more than yeah. like TV dialogue. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's a good way to describe it. I nominated it for my Stars Hollow for those qualities, but also because this is, I think, Taylor 
at his worst. <laughs> like we've talked about Taylor as a character before and part of his um, negative qualities are part of what makes him a fun character, you know? Mm-hmm. But with that said, like Taylor was just being so selfish and controlling in this episode and he like frames his concerns as being part of his like wishes for the town when it's really just more about him and his own store success and his control over the town and it just made me think like how often are taylor's like wishes for the town really more about himself and what Mm -hmm. he wants for it and his own you know desire to control sartalo yeah i do think he has good intentions but he's also just a self-centered individual um and that's something he's got to work on you know yeah he's got a lot of insecurities and the her suit hippie really brings them out of it brings them out of him mm-hmm. <laughs> um after the town meeting luke goes after a group of men who are the town reenactors um We've seen them before uh, in that the snow episode in season one. And supposedly um, he's asking why they aren't going to be at the funeral um, because uh, Louis was a veteran, I believe. So he should have Mm -hmm. the reenactors or usually the reenactors go to veterans funerals and do their salute. but they have said that they aren't going to Louis's funeral because he was a drag. <laughs> and there's a great, there's a an unnamed extra who like clearly, like you can just tell that he's been really working on these lines and he's been mm. really practicing. And he and Kirk have this great exchange about things that Louis did in the past. <laughs> yeah, that extra I think was named Cy in an earlier scene at Luke's and... I don't think we ever see him again, mm-hmm. but that actor was like, I'm going to bring it, yeah. bring my all to this role. <laughs> yeah, he committed. As I complain about Louis, like, seducing my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kirk is complaining about Louis kicking his dog, which is awful. Yeah. That's, yeah. It was a hilarious little exchange, even though it was, yeah, Louis obviously was a terrible person. <laughs> I felt really bad for Luke in this scene, though. It seems to be the tipping point for him. Um, and he is getting, um, really worked up. And I just feel bad that they're all like, they don't care enough to help out Luke at this mm-hmm. point. And Luke also starts to worry that he is like Louie, a sort of like defensive hothead who doesn't participate in town functions. Like in a lot of ways it describes Luke too. And we see that fear come forward later on when he asked Lorelai about that but overall I felt bad for Luke like he's just trying to do his best and nobody except Lorelai and Rory are helping him out yeah yeah poor poor Luke I mean he's he's clearly not a an extrovert but he does care a lot about the town even if he doesn't care about the town and the way Taylor wants him to so yeah it was really sad seeing him walk away from that group and them all like compare him to Louis. The next scene takes us to the inn once more and we finally get the wake-up call for Suki and the wedding. Uh, <laughs> finally, Lorelai confronts her, tells her about Jackson appealing to her and talks Suki down from 
as you mentioned before, ordering stuff from Prague yeah. online. And- Paper mache mushrooms. <laughs> this scene was a great, another great comedic scene. And it also had some good, like, internet history, I think, <laughs> in it. Because Suki's talking about downloading stuff from Prague. And she's like, you can do that on the internet, you know. And I'm like, this is definitely the early 2000s when she has, like, <laughs> a big uh, box computer and, like, trying to just sur- surf the internet and do internet shopping and stuff was fairly new still. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a great a great little morsel for the time capsule of the internet. We also <laughs> get some very questionable verbiage about little people and yeah yeah i it was clearly like a something from the times that wouldn't fly anymore at least not in the same way they yeah they kept repeating the word midget to refer to little people which is clearly inappropriate but and they kept repeating it too as part of a running joke, which makes it even more obviously bad mm-hmm. to us now. And it just made me think about the bad joke about Indian food from last episode yeah. that Lorelai and Jess both said. Because here you have Suki saying it. And then later on when we see Emily, she also repeats this joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just demeaning and like uh, buying into stereotypes and perpetuating stereotypes and stuff. Yeah, and to use people as props, like mm-hmm. decoration or entertainment at your own wedding based on like their size yeah. is just oh, That's like it's just Game of Thrones stuff, okay? <laughs> yeah, the power dynamic there is so bizarre and is a sign that Suki is like it far too deep in Emily world yeah. to like not <laughs> recognize how ridiculous this is. Yeah. Thankfully, she comes out of Emily land, and as soon as that happens, Luke calls, and he is freaking out. Um, So far, we've seen him, I feel like, be pretty even-keeled until he had that Mm -hmm. confrontation with the reenactors, but now he's uh, in a tight spot, and wants Lorelai's help, so she shows up at a funeral parlor, and we see... A casket that won't close. This was a great, a great scene of like uh, dark humor, because <laughs> um, Luke is trying to close the casket, but Louis had so many things that he wanted it wanted buried with him that the casket won't close. He's got like his whole collection of baseball cards. He's got like a football, fishing reel, just a ridiculous amount of stuff in there. Luke, this is kind of Luke's breaking point. He just kind of is done with the whole thing. He storms out and he, yeah, he has now come to the idea that Louis is a jerk and Louis is the one kind of, as we said at the beginning, making his life hell at this point. Um, he <laughs> needed needed some time to cool off. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the casket, as Luke says, is the sort of manifestation of how selfish Louis mm-hmm. was, that he wants to be buried with all of these belongings rather than letting other family members have them. Like Luke goes off and names all these baseball player cards that he would like to have, but Louis didn't think of him. And 
it will come up later on that what really makes the difference between Louis and Luke is selflessness Mm -hmm. or selfishness. You know, like, is Luke crabby and uninvolved sometimes? Sure. But he's also selfless and caring often in comparison to Louis, who seemed to be that way never. So it's dealt with in a kind of very dark humor way here, like you said. Yeah, (laughs) and Luke, his crabbiness is lovable. It sounds like Louis was just an Mm -hmm. asshole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We return to the diner after this funeral home scene. Luke is nowhere to be found yet um, after storming out, but Lorelai and Roy are back at the diner. And, you know, not at school or work, but (laughs) they're there running things around. And you see, I think, a funny interaction with Jess and this woman at a table Mm -hmm. who wants to see. She wants to hear the woman who's come up with all this fun diner lingo that Lorelai has been doing throughout the episode. And Jess says in his monosyllabic fashion, no, and walks away. And Rory says to him, Thanks for doing the very least you could possibly do as he goes up stairs, which is just continuing this funny running bit between the Mm -hmm. two of them this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. He's being such a teenager, Mm -hmm. which is kind of ironic with Rory also being a teenager and like acting like this. Yeah. uh, Authority figure, I guess. (laughs) But after this, Luke shows back up. He's figured out a solution. He just went to the big and tall funeral parlor or casket shop, I guess, and got a bigger casket for Louis. And then Emily shows up. Again, we've seen her just kind of like pop up uninvited a couple times already this episode, but she shows up and she's pretty upset because Suki has fired her. Um... And Lorelai tries to explain that Suki didn't fire her. She just realized that she wasn't going to be having the wedding that she wanted. She also tries to explain to Lor- to Emily like that there is a difference in what Suki can afford <laughs> versus mm-hmm. what uh, Emily wants. And then I'm curious what she thought about this because she then says that Emily wasn't planning Suki's wedding. She was planning Lorelai's wedding. I've, I don't think that this is necessarily wrong, but we've also seen so many instances of Lorelai kind of taking on everything that Emily does as a criticism of her, even if it's not necessarily, and kind mm-hmm. of being really self-centered in that way. And yeah, I wondered what you thought about that. Yeah, I can completely see why Lorelai would think that. I think there is a portion of truth to it, like Emily jumping on the opportunity to plan a wedding, I think is very much related to her not getting to do that for Lorelai and is one reason she'd be so excited to help someone do that. But I think what you're kind of alluding to about Lorelai being a bit self-centered or just self-focused here is that as Emily responds, like, I was planning this wedding based on Suki as a person, like, these random mushrooms and that whole aspect. She's, like, designing it based on Suki's personality, not Lorelai's. And she points out, she's like, oh, I already gave up on the dream <laughs> of planning your wedding, and I had it all planned out. 
And this was my uh, Rory's bookshelf. Um, was the like the references Emily makes as she describes Lorelai's wedding. They're not exactly literary references because she mentions the Romanovs, but I feel like the whole Russian Romanov, like Anastasia, even if it's not a direct literary reference, it is a kind of pop culture or historical reference. Mm-hmm. Um, so Emily says she would have, if she could have planned, Emily, uh, if Emily could have planned Lorelai's wedding, it would have been Russian winter themed with the Romanovs and snow white roses and snow everywhere and there'd be a sleigh. And I mean, I thought this was really interesting because Lorelai acts like, oh, that is so not me. And it sounds like it would be very extravagant and I'm, it's not Lorelai's style necessarily. But like how fascinating that like, Lorelai's whole thing is I smell snow and we saw her in like a sleigh at the Bracebridge dinner and she loved that like romantic winter thing so I'm like Emily even as she's planning her version of an extravagant upscale wedding is keen into qualities that are actually part of Lorelai's personality I'm like okay she like she knows her more than Lorelai I think is willing to admit yeah I agree I thought the same thing I was like it it sounds I mean it's it doesn't need to be Russian winter theme. It could just be winter wonderland and I feel like Laura yeah. would have loved that. But yeah. I also agree with your assertion about the the like the Russian winter theme being kind of it feels literary because it feels like a lot of that like uh Russian literature about that time period mm-hmm. that has that kind of I mean it's almost all Got a kind of wintry aesthetic to it. A grim, (laughs) wintry world. I haven't read that much Russian literature, but I have watched a lot of the movies based off the books, (laughs) Mm -hmm. if that counts. Like Anna Karenina and whatnot. War and Peace. (laughs) Crime and Punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect for a romantic wedding. Yeah, Yeah, nothing could go wrong there. Um, Then Emily... After talking about the wedding stuff, she starts making dropping little hints about that she thinks that Lorelai's like reception is going to be in the diner. Lorelai asks <laughs> her what she means, and she's Emily says obviously Luke and Lorelai are going to be a thing. Like they're they're obviously going to get married. They have something going on. Of course, Lorelai, as usual, denies it despite all evidence right in front of her as she's like running his diner (laughs) to be emotional support for him as he's processing the death of a family member like who else would do that than i mean of course a really good friend would do that but also a romantic partner would do Mm -hmm. that (laughs) and right at the end of this luke lorelei had earlier sent him up to get changed and luke comes down now like buttoning his shirt and stuff and completely unaware of the conversation that was just happening but even Mm -hmm. then the way that he and Lorelai look at each other Emily is completely confirmed (laughs) it's just obvious (laughs) on her way out she asked Luke what he thought of the Romanovs which is a fun way of connecting the whole theory about them getting married and he says the Romanovs probably had it coming which was a funny (laughs) joke I guess (laughs) After this, I think it might be the next day, but we're mm-hmm. at the funeral 
and it's just Luke and Lorelai. And the pastor, I, I wrote down that he's giving a form funeral address. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. obviously not personalized. Um, he's just kind of saying the, the basics, like that Louie was a great man and blah, blah, blah. And Luke keeps making sarcastic comments mm-hmm. in between each sentence to be like, oh, no, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I give Lorelai here my Lorelai's closet for the jacket she's wearing. I do too. <laughs> it's so pretty. I I almost gave it to her pink shirt earlier because that was also pretty. But this one, it's so it's like a black blazer and then it has like dark pink and red uh, roses on it. But they're kind of like in a, I don't know, foil or something. They're a bit shiny and they're not like, I don't know, they're a little bit transparent also. So they kind of blend into the black. It's really pretty. Yeah. And it's like longer and overall just incredibly elegant I was like shocked it's like a stunning jacket and I was almost like is it appropriate to be this fashionable at a funeral (laughs) (laughs) but I I thought that jacket was awesome yeah we also get Luke finally kind of vocalized that he is afraid that he is like Louie um Mm -hmm. Lorelai easily I think reassures him that that he's not and we'll get some evidence of this in in a second she goes through a whole list of like the highlights of our episode recaps (laughs) you know she's like well you took in jess you Mm -hmm. made it like you get celebrated rory's birthday like all of these things that we've noted before in episodes it felt like slightly meta in a way (laughs) but she's the main point is to like share with him how selfless he is and I think he he seems to take it in um I think it's kind of bolstered by the fact that at this point the reenactors do show up and Mm -hmm. it's pretty clear that they're showing up for Luke at this point they're not showing up for Louis yeah this was my gazebo moment I just thought this scene was played really well um because you think that they're not coming and so you start to hear this like drumming and you see the surprise on Lorelai and Luke's faces they're a bit confused or Luke is and the reenactors appear and Lorelai is like teary-eyed and Luke thanks her implying that she was the one that like kicked their asses and was basically like hey (laughs) hey you shitheads (laughs) like no but that's my own feelings about it like just like knock some sense into them and you get the sense that they're there for Luke not Louie um so it's a very like sentimental scene that's demonstrating their care for Luke and Lorelai's care for Luke and then to top it all off when the trumpet like plays gosh (laughs) it's so bad which is just so great the pairing of the (laughs) sentimental with the silly the fact that this was like such a hard one tribute and then it's such a bad <laughs> trumpet solo was just yeah beautiful very well done it was Gilmore like Girls. <laughs> somebody I think it was Kirk who was playing the trumpet but it was mm-hmm. it's like somebody who looked at a trumpet and was like oh yeah that'll be easy no worries <laughs> I've never played the trumpet before but I can do it and then attempted to I played the trumpet for five years and it's it's a difficult wow. it's a difficult thing to master <laughs> Mm -hmm. So you have to do weird things with your mouth. (laughs) 
Yep. <laughs> no comment there. <laughs> but, yeah. So overall, a positive end to the funeral. And the next scene, yeah, is my gazebo moment. And it kind of brings everything home. They go back to the diner and they see a whole bunch of people going in. And it's really crowded in there. And there's a whole bunch of food laid out on the bar. And they find out that people came for a wake. Rory tells them that and that they all brought food. So it's like a potluck. And first, yeah, Luke thinks that Lorelai set it up, but she didn't. Lorelai says, you know, I think actually they're here for you. And that was, I think that was a great moment of the whole town coming together. And then we kind of find out maybe unconfirmed <laughs> that uh, <laughs> Jess might have been part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Rory suspects it and confronts him about it. Jess, of course, denies it, but he's denied things like this before. So who yeah, knows? Yeah, like fixing the toaster. Yeah. <laughs> he does admit to opening the door for Miss Patty, but as Rory mm-hmm. says, there must have been some sort of arrangement for that to have happened. <laughs> so he had some some hand Mm -hmm. in this which I think is also a great thing even if Jess won't admit it that it's just another piece of evidence that he is really kind of flourishing with Luke she says you're part of the town now and is like making fun of him (laughs) and calls him neighbor it's really like their inner it's their final interaction and it's just like a silly end to the running bit (laughs) between their dynamic in this episode and I just wonder if it was like the writers wanted something Rory and Jess related mm-hmm. in this, but they didn't have the space for it to be like character or relationship driven. So it's like, let's just do something really like wacky. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Just <laughs> friendship building. <laughs> mm-hmm. We also get the end of Taylor's poor little storyline. The <laughs> her suit hippie comes up and Taylor finds out that the farmer's market is closed because the guy was just selling what he had grown in his garden and once it was all gone, mm-hmm. it was gone. So Taylor's whole uh, worry was for nothing. It was just a temporary mm-hmm. blip. And then this guy goes on about like bringing peace to Palestine and stuff and just planting a seed. It was, it was so weird. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely weird vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but taylor asks him like how could you put me through this and he says no man you put yourself through that which i thought was the moral of the story you know taylor really did if he had just bothered to ask (laughs) yeah you know but he didn't he just made assumptions authoritatively authoritarian taylor strikes again (laughs) over and then after this we get a little round of townspeople telling stories about Louie. They're all pretty comical, but also clearly this guy was a curmudgeon. Poor <laughs> Kirk has been traumatized by him. And then we pan out, and that's that's the episode. I thought it was a great, just, yeah, slice of life type of episode. Mm-hmm. Right. Slice of life plus... Lorelai and Luke are meant Mm -hmm. to be together. I think those are the takeaways from this (laughs) episode as a whole. There must be something coming soon that messes with that. And I think I just remembered what it is. Uh, So we'll (laughs) see. (laughs) 
Yeah, once we're starting to hear about Sookie's wedding, yeah. I also thought that was foreshadowing. Uh, I think yeah. we all know what goes down. I mean, I think we all know two major things that go down at Sookie's yeah. wedding. We've got like four more episodes or something till then, I think. See how mm-hmm. things build up. In the meantime, we have our usual plea to our listeners <laughs> to listen to us and review and leave no to listen and rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you're listening to your podcasts and you can find us as well on instagram and tiktok at talking fast podcasts if you want to follow us follow along with us on those platforms and finally, you can also send, you know, gazebo moments or thoughts or questions to our email, which is talkingfastpodcasts at gmail.com. Cool. <laughs> Until next time. Yeah. Talk to you then.